Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. In Forbes.com, I read a great piece, No End in Sight, for the COVID-led global supply chain disruption. And the article details about how the supply chain is under massive and volatile stress and how it is going to affect each and every one of us. Garth Friesen wrote the Forbes piece. He covers global markets, economics, and investing. He's the head of rates at Triple I Capital Management, a hedge fund with approximately $4.5 billion in assets under management. He's a former advisor to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Garth, thank you very much for coming on the program. Hi, Roy. Nice to be with you. Well, what's the cause for this multiple sectors international supply chain disruption? And was there a missed opportunity to head off what we're dealing with now and facing going forward? Yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's a, you know, a tough question because, you know, there isn't one cause that's led to the disruption that we're seeing today. In fact, it, it actually begun, a lot of times people think that it started with COVID, but it actually begun uh, during the Trump administration era when the tariffs were being thrown on uh, Chinese goods, Chinese uh, authorities and policymakers were retaliating. Uh, that created um, increased demand for some goods and decreased demand for others. And that, uh, that caused a, um, an unpredictable shift in ordering um, it for agriculture, for example, or other goods ahead of tariffs. And that was really the beginning of stresses on the supply chain. But it wasn't really until COVID hit that we really saw um, further imbalances with supply and demand really take its toll. So was there, was there an opportunity to head them off? Yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, if you could control COVID. But obviously, that, that couldn't happen. Um, so, you know, we've seen, you know, the huge drop in production when manufacturing facilities shut down. And then shortly thereafter, a significant boost in demand, consumer demand from all the fiscal stimulus that happened everywhere in the world. Yeah, and, and we're heading into the Christmas season. It's not so easy to restart these uh, production facilities after they've been shut down. So right. it's, it's very tough. Yeah, and we're heading into the Christmas season when people want to uh, go out and buy what they want for their loved ones. And food and, uh, and energy supplies are going to be uh, depleted as well. So how, across how many sectors, let me ask you this, how, across how many sectors does the supply chain stretch? Oh, the supply chain is very long. You know, just from a, if you think about how many segments are involved in, in its delivery, you know, it stretches from a, you know, a manufacturing plant in Vietnam or China all the way to Central North America. You know, in between those two areas, goods travel by truck, they travel by rail, ship, uh, through ports, through inland waterways, with stops in numerous warehouses. You know, a bottleneck in any one of these areas has potential to disrupt the flow of goods. Right now, the most visible uh, concern is with the backlog, backlog at the ports, uh, whereas of a day or two ago, there was more than 70 cargo ships with an estimated 500,000 containers um, on anchor waiting to get unloaded. Um, and it's not just finished goods. The supply chain is critical for all sorts of materials and industrial components used in manufacturing. Everything from semiconductors to specialized parts to raw materials and commodities. So it is far-reaching. It affects you know, virtually every sector and every transportation sector as well. 
You know, you just mentioned shipping containers, and you wrote in your piece in Forbes.com that shipping container woes uh, are the backbone of uh, of the global supply chain problem, and that shipping containers are the backbone of of uh, global supply chains. They're it. Yes, shipping containers are critical to global trade. You know, there's an estimated 17 million containers that transport all sorts of materials and finished goods around the world. You know, when consumer demand for goods surges, um, you know, during a period like the lockdown, um, there was initially a shortage of containers to meet demand. Uh, a lot of the containers that move uh, that moved all the PPE, the personal protective equipment around the globe uh, early in the pandemic were stranded in remote locations. So early on, it, w- it was hard to find containers, and uh, the result was prices shot up. But containers are pretty easy to make, and production ramped up in response uh, to that demand. You know, uh, roughly 80% of the world's containers are made by three companies in China, and their production is up more than 60% this year compared to 2020. So prices are up. Uh, but it's mainly now because of the cost of steel is up. Right now, I wouldn't say the problem is with containers uh, per se, and it's not container supply. It's the circulation of containers, which is causing the problem. They're just not moving. Uh, There are empty containers sitting everywhere. Pre-COVID, when supply chains were operating normally, once a container uh, was taken off a ship and unloaded, it was sent somewhere to get filled for export. But because the demand for containers was so high in China, a lot of the containers were just sent back to port um, to go get more stuff from China. The, the cost to ship a container from China to the U.S. West Coast jumped you know, from $2,000 to more than $20,000. So when you get a 10x jump in a price for a particular shipping route, you know, these containers, which are all part of that flow, you know, the cargo ships want to get them uh, back to the area to where they can maximize the revenue. And they're, they're mm-hmm. not going to wait around for empty containers or even full containers. And you mentioned what there are seventy container ships. Which which harbor are they outside? Los Angeles so between Los Angeles and um, the port of Long Beach. There's over you know the latest as of a couple of days ago were seventy containers or container ships waiting to be unloaded. Okay, and, and prior to COVID, how many would there have been? None, zero. You know there was very you know everything was very organized, and this whole just in time system that everybody's grown to love, you know, worked pretty well when. <laughs> Demand and supply was predictable, but it's been anything but predictable in the last couple of years. And, you know, there's a lot of other bottlenecks that are involved. It's not just the ships. Like when you yeah. when you when you think about how everything has to flow, um, you know, it's you know, there's issues with ports. There's issues with trucking. There's issues with rail. There's a, there's a shortage of warehouses. You know, it runs pretty deep across a lot of different areas. Garth, can individual links of the supply chain operate solo or is it a truly interdependent chain? Individual links operate solo, but to make everything work properly and on time, uh, there needs to be effective handovers. You know, one way to think of it would be like a four to four by one hundred relay in track. You know, you can have very fast runners, but if they screw up the handoff with the baton at each leg, they're going to have a slow time, and that's what's happening now. Ships are sailing, for example, but the unload times have lengthened, um, and that's delaying and disrupting normal function. So as, as for relieving uh, the stress, um, you know, all areas have to be addressed. You, you know, the saying a chain is only as strong as its weak and, weakest link, and that applies to supply chains. I'm speaking with Garth. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Garth. Well, what I was going to add was, 
It was a really interesting um, tweet I saw yesterday uh, from Ryan Peterson, and who's the CEO of Flexport, which is a global logistics service company. Uh, and, you know, he put this out on Twitter, um, you know, addressing the very issue of this supply chain and the interconnectedness. You know, what he did is he chartered a boat last week that took him through the port of Long Beach, uh, which is one of the busiest ports in the U.S. Uh, in terms of traffic. Surprisingly, he said there was very little activity at the port itself. And he, he said he took a three-hour tour, and in that three hours, he saw less than a dozen containers getting unloaded. You know, cranes were not operating. There was no hustle and bustle, very little to suggest that the port was working in overdrive to get all the ships unloaded. So the, nat- the natural question is why, right? Yeah. And the answer is, you know, from what he's discovered, and Flexport specializes in all this, so he's somebody who really knows this stuff, there's no place to put the containers. The yards are full. They're, you know, they're stacked with containers as high as they will go. Um, so and then the next question is, why isn't somebody coming to pick them up? And then that leads to the issue that's going on with, with the truckers, a shortage of truckers. Um, and truckers can't return to the port with empty containers because the way it works, you know, the trucks have a chassis. On that chassis goes a, 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 you know, a full container when it leaves the port, and it comes back with an empty container. But if it can't unload the empty container, it can't take a full container. And so it's just a classic traffic jam. It's just so backed up. Um, and so one of the issues, it, you know, it, it makes matters worse, is some zoning laws are restricted from, you know, what, there's, there's container ports at the port terminals or container yards at the terminals, but these trucking companies all have container yards as well. There's a zoning ordinance in, in Long Beach that re- did not allow the containers to be stacked more than too high. And so, you know, with, you know, this information, you know, and with Ryan Peterson's involvement, just yesterday, the mayor of Long Beach announced that they're now changing the ordinance so that you can stack these containers five high instead of two high. So that should begin to move things out of the, allow the, you know, containers to move out of the port, which will allow the trucks to move back in and get things circulated. But, you know, it's, you know, each of these are so inter- interdependent on each other that um, it's definitely not a, you know, a one element issue. Uh, Garth, you talked about truck drivers a moment ago. There are labor issues with seafarers, truck drivers, airline workers expressing frustration, something we're going to talk about in detail tomorrow. Industry groups like the International Chamber of Shipping have warned in an open letter to the United Nations of a global transport system collapse if governments fail to return freedom of movement to transport workers and give them vaccine priority at the same time. How significant a component is labor shortage and labor frustration to the supply chain disruption we're experiencing now? Oh, it's real, Roy. Um, And and it's not just with you know, the shipping or the trucking, there's a shortage of workers um, in international ports due to COVID outbreaks. There's a shortage of labor at manufacturing facilities. Um, and, and on this side of the pond, there's a shortage of truck drivers and warehouse workers and even railroad conductors. Um, you know, Target, for example, just announced it's trying to hire 30,000 people over the next month or two to specifically uh, work in their logistics. Um, you know, and, and on Specific topics with relating to shipping, you know, one thing to keep your eye on is the negotiations between the uh, International Longshore and Warehouse Union, the ILWU, uh, and the Pacific Maritime Association. Their contract is set to expire, and, and that union controls the ports in California. 
their current contract is set to expire in July of 22. And if negotiations don't go well, a strike is certainly possible, uh, which would you know, be a disaster right now uh, for the for the industry. Um, and one of the topics up for discussion is automation, and the union has resisted automation. And automation is one of the things that will help the ports improve their productivity and, you know, similar to other ports uh, around the world. And, you know, though, you know, these, there would be something that would prevent this from happening in the future. But, yeah, labor is certainly a part of it. Um, you know, and specifically, you, you had mentioned uh, you know, the, the truck drivers. Uh you know, that industry is very fragmented and, and the truck drivers, the way that the system works, they're, they're paid by the mile. They're not paid an annual salary or, or for waiting. And so when there's a massive traffic jam, like the one we're witnessing today, they earn less, a lot less, uh, so much less that a lot of them, you know, have left the industry and gone to higher paying jobs. What does all of this do that we've been talking about that you explained to us? What does this do globally to investor confidence? Will investors, where will investors be looking to place their money? Uh, you as a hedge fund CEO, what are you doing? Well, look, the, the supply chain is something that is, um, you know, everybody's watching from an economic perspective right now. And, you know, it does have global macro implications. Um, you know, first, you know, what, what, it, what is it going to do to production? And we're already seeing um, slowdowns in production um, and an increase in prices, you know, another macro variable. And a slowdown in production and GDP and inflation, you know, that's what we commonly call stagflation. And that's, you know, probably the worst outcome for the economy and for markets and for investors to predict with higher prices and lower growth. Uh, the auto industry, for example, um, with its chip shortage, you know, is expecting more than 200 billion in lost sales this year. Um, but as long as demand wow. remains elevated and things like regional COVID outbreaks are happening and you know, elements like the weather, which none of us can control, uh, I don't expect the chaos is going away anytime soon. So from an investment perspective, you know, clearly the uh, players in the logistics industry are doing well, but um, you know, how long it will last is, um, you know, unknown. Like you look at a company like Maersk, one of the biggest shipping lines, and, you know, it's excess profits, if you want to call it, in the last year or two, or, you know, range in the in the billions of dollars. And then on the flip side, you look at a company like Procter & Gamble, who just last week in its earnings announced uh, an additional $2 billion last year for increased transportation costs. So it's it's filtering into all different types of companies, and you're either on the winning side or on the losing side. And unfortunately, um, most companies are on the losing side. So when I repeatedly hear that this situation with the supply chain is uh, short-term and things will be fine again in a couple of months, wishful thinking, right? I believe it's wishful thinking. Yeah, there's a lot that has to be, has to be done. Like you know, one of the one of the um, you know industry experts described it as a big traffic jam on on a highway. And, you know, just because even when it begins to move, the front car begins to move, it takes a while for the back car to benefit from that. Right. And what we've got is a major traffic jam. And a lot has to take place for uh, improvement, like shipping, for example. A lot of the ships aren't going to be coming online until 2023. Right. Uh, so there's no real relief coming from additional shipping capacity. Um, and even when they, those, that shipping capacity does come on, online another thing is coming in 2023 which is the imo 13 which is a new regulation that's requiring ships to uh, as part of the decarbonization movement um, to reduce diesel emissions
And if you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 